for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul. This is Caroline. Tonight we're going to talk about the 14th episode of the third season of NBC's This Is Us. This one is called Graduation Days for super obvious reasons. Good Lord, Paul. Doesn't it seem like every week it's like, will the show be on? Or are we going to have World of Dance? Or like... Here's the president or some other bullshit activity that they're televising. I know that, you know, they they have to be off the air for the for the State of the Union, but whatever else has kept them from being on those other two weeks that they weren't on. World of Dance is one. Audience killing bullshit. I honestly think it is. The momentum this season is so stunted. Like I just feel like the second we feel like we kind of are starting to go with the story, they're gone. And we come back and we're like Who's this again? What's that guy's name? Rono? No, Randall? <laughs> like, it's terrible. I'm looking at this, the 14th episode, and I'm thinking, I wish this was like 17 or 18. I'm ready to kind of be done with this show this season. Well, and I don't want to say be done. That's not right. I just feel like no, it's no, like- No, no, it's right for Paul. <laughs> I just feel like I'm I've not been able to be like enveloped with the story because it's just we drop in so infrequently that it just isn't having the same bang for your buck that we usually get. And it's like the people running NBC finally recognize this fact. And at the beginning and at the end, they told you in very no nonsense terms that now until the show is done, they're going to every Tuesday, they're going to show another episode. Which, think about that. Think about how ridiculous that is. They actually had to say at the beginning and end of the show that this show will play every Tuesday. (laughs) Ridiculous. What in the freaking hell? It is crazy. Let's dive right into this episode, Paul, starting off with these flashbacks. The very first one is actually with the big three toddlers. Right. The, The camera purchase with Young, exuberant Jack and overwrought, overworked Rebecca. Still looking good, though. Looking hot for having those toddlers wimping in a wine. And I liked how they had a double stroller and a single umbrella stroller. That's actually pretty accurate, y'all. We have three very close together. For those of you who don't listen, we have twins. And then our son, Jack, is our bonus baby at 10 and a half months later. We had a triplet stroller. We actually had like a gajillion different kinds of strollers. But we had this triplet stroller that was like a long, like we were pushing our own tram car. It's gray, like a submarine. <laughs> Kind of long, like a summary. It was super long. So they were all in, it was an inline. So it was like three babies went by. Like I was actually pushing a small miniature train, like through right. the store. <laughs> we started off with like a big pram that was like gigantic. It was like, I don't know, Paul, like getting in like a tilt-a-whirl car and it like laid on its back though. And all the babies kind of slopped around in there. And you needed an engineering degree to assemble it and disassemble And you couldn't actually take it in the car. Like I drove a Suburban and like to take the pram apart would have required so many tools. It was like, this is just for walking in the street. (laughs) That is it. Down the sidewalk. That is it. We cannot actually go anywhere. And it might have even been wider than the door. Oh, my God. Do you remember that time? It was wider than the door. Do you remember that time that we were like pushing the three in the inline stroller? And we thought we were doing such a good job because we had taken this walk. And this was very hard to get all these babies out of the house. And yet here we were tromping down the street, going to go get some ice cream. 
team. Do you remember this at Jason's Deli? Mm-hmm. And do you remember those people yelling out the car window at us? No. Oh, God. We get to the light and we're waiting for the cars to go by and someone rolls down the window and yells, have more babies. <laughs> we're yeah. like, oh, because I mean, it was only two pregnancies, people. And it was, you know, we were doing the right thing. We weren't we weren't harming anyone. Right. Mind like, our own Jesus. business on our way to get a little of the fro and the they yo. They all have little and- matching jackets on. I mean, people are of a dick. God. Mind your like, business, <laughs> <laughs> was it the jerk store called the running out of you, out of you. Call yeller exactly assholes we had no and holler back mom yeah yeah i i didn't holler back though i was like this oh <laughs> <laughs> like rushed us into jason's so anyway y'all uh side jaunt there we could really relate to this entire and actually you know what well i appreciate that they swapped the babies out because of the soothing thing and they were trying to show that you know kevin was such a great soother for kate in all honesty when you have babies that are that close together and they do share space there is a ridiculous amount of like swapping them out because sometimes they do do that like i'm not touching you even when they're little they're tiny they could be like infant size they're still like poking on each other bugging on each other and there was times when like Two of them would like hold hands, you know, we have like pictures of that. Oh, yeah. And then other times when that's like the it doesn't matter what the combination was. Someone would be like poking someone else's face off. This scene, I didn't really pay attention that closely to the content, except for the fact that it was seemed to be there to create symmetry with the kind of shitty scene that follows up next. And this whole episode was all symmetry, like like yes. fe- like the flashback graduation day, the current graduation day. The- yes. The old camera, the new camera, the the old Kate, the new Kate, the watching old videos and well, they weren't watching new videos, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it no, 100 percent. And even and obviously the way that like Kevin was soothing Kate, but then it was Randall soothing Kate, like at the very, very end, you know, mm-hmm. he was actually coming in to hold hands and stuff. So, yeah, I agree with you. Tons of symmetry. They do buy the camera. Uh, and I thought that all that stuff, I guess, for us is so nostalgic all of it, the really old camera that Jack is dealing with, and then the newer camera that Rebecca's buying when he says the flip out monitor. I was like, oh, remember those yeah. screens on the hand, those flip out monitors? Like, we had all of those things. I made so many movies on the gigantic, huge VHS tape one. Do you have, do you wonder, like, when the last time a uh, divorced dad might have ever gotten <gasps> laid was to oh have made a play on the uh, widow? Uh, the the widow Pearson. <laughs> well, and you have to know it's a widow Pearson of like sixteen weeks, Paul. Right, that's right. it. Like this is not like that long. And I mean, if you God. weren't alive in the nineties, I, I can assure you that we knew that what too soon meant, even way back then. <laughs> Agreed. And 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 most especially that he had had no contact with her since Jack's death. I think that's like even more underscored that it's like, I haven't even seen you since you've been a married person. I've been meaning to call. Yeah. But it's like, if they had talked like all those times in 16 weeks and 16 weeks in, he asked her to go to coffee. Maybe we could allow this, but if it's the very first time you see her since the death of Jack and you've never even (laughs) said any condolences. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that that was like you rushed it. You rushed it, man. That was awful and off awkward. I thought that uh Mandy Moore did a terrific job in that scene because she didn't really address what he said. 
in words, but her face, the way that it like crumbled and the way that she, you know, she just was like, I'm going to go by the camera, but she kind of like looked to the side. Everything was on her face. You know, you understood like this was the first time she realized I'm a single woman. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm actually like somebody that is going to be hit on again. Twitter was on fire for Mandy Moore during the episode. Everyone was very complimentary of, of her acting chops and like that she needs to get an Emmy for this finally. And, and we, uh, we agree like, like we have been mentioning in this podcast for weeks that she is the overlooked uh, cast member in this group in terms of acting skill and and the way they write for her like she's always like like in the list of pearson she's like number five for who they write for and i do agree with you that even as silly as that scene where she said friggin um and they were like did did you know rebecca say the f word like that kind of thing they actually wrote to her a little bit she had a little more personality but only a little, a, a little bit like just a little but we that's, have our- that's how sad though that's what a drought we have that one or two lines with some actual like you know humor or meatiness to it is like enough to actually make us all go crazy it's a little uneven though i mean it's a lot uneven if you uh in order to make our podcast we have a whiteboard where we kind of chart what we want to talk about and although rebecca Rebecca started the episode and had a couple of big moments in the episode. It didn't really get her own slot. She gets yeah. she gets worked into other people's segments because they gave her big moments, but they were part of other people's parts, you know? Well, so, so all right. So then are we assuming that because season one was Randall, season two was Kevin, season three was Kate. Even though Kevin's trying to horn in on this one. Season four. Four is going to have to be all Rebecca all the time. Like, or she's got to be the central Pearson. I mean, like, has to, has to, has to. I could see that. I mean, I think we've got to go that way. Well, I know that uh, earlier in the show's life, you had read that they were planning on, like, capping it at five years. Yeah, that is what I've still hear is the number. I thought I'd recently read six. No shit. That I have only seen five. So if you saw six, that's fresh news. You heard it here first, folks. Well, you heard a rumor here first. (laughs) I heard six. I've only heard five. And I would actually be very fine with five, especially again, the way that they they fucked up this airing of this season and how uncomfortably awkward it is to get into the story this season. I mean, it really is making me feel like, come on, just move forward. And we love these characters and we love the the story, but God does delivery matter, you know? For sure. Shit you doesn't matter. You can kill matter. a show by, by screwing around with the schedule. Well, I mean, Lord knows if you move it on different nights and crap, you you all but commit, you know, murder. Show aside. I was going to say show aside. I was just going to say show aside. Well, you can still owe me a coat. Bomp, bomp, bomp. Okay. So what do you think about this whole Kate arguing about attending graduation? This is so weird to me. Do you think Kate was legit about this whole idea that, you know, everyone's going to be staring at her walking across the stage? I mean, no, it no didn't happen the day before graduation. I mean, it happened months before graduation. She's she's kind of in her head. I think so. Too. I mean, we graduated in the 90s and we were one little dot in a, in a class of a thousand trying to just make our way across the stage. And the people cheering for you had like one and a half seconds. And that's as much time as anyone was going to consider your name, yes, you know? Yes. And that includes Kate Pearson. Uh, so, yeah, she was kind of full of herself. I've really uh, never that. heard of anyone not walking at high school graduation by choice. I have heard it some in college and definitely a lot in like masters or past that not walking. But 
high school? I've really never heard of anyone opting to sit out. Like, what was she going to do? Go sit out in the stand with Rebecca? High school, you're still very much in that mode of being told what to do. You know, I feel like, like it- even though you're done, I, I remember, remember, what was that kid's name that, that had like a full beard and the principal, Mr. Saratelli was like, beard means no walking or something like that. He like brought him a razor. So in order for him to, to walk, oh God. He, was, he was one of the, he was, I think he was in, uh, one of the garage bands that was popular at the time. I, I just don't remember his name, but anyway, we'd already graduated. He didn't realistically have much, you know, pull. Right. True. So yeah, it's just, you're still in that, okay, I'll do what I'm told kind of mode. Do you think that they were trying to make some sort of parallel with Kate being concerned about kids taking a personal issue and running with it and somehow embarrassing her with the Deja storyline? I kind of do. You know, Mrs. Cunningham publishing the story, biting on one small detail and like running with it. Yes. Is this legit? Is this not? Which one? I mean, Deja, I think that that happened pretty realistic. Mm, they tackle the same so, theme. But do we think that, like, is it a good parallel? Mm. Like, I mean, because, you know, again, this was a personal issue about Deja that she wrote in confidence, you know, which I agree. If somebody, if a teacher asks you to write a personal essay, there is no way that you expect it to be published online. You know, I mean, if that if the assignment is to somehow delve into your deep self, write some sort of journal entry, I think it's like such chicken shit that this Miss Cunningham thing happens. I would 100 percent respond the same way that Randall did. I was all for ripping her guts out and I'm glad that he did. But then it was clear like she's young, she's stupid, you know, she didn't really think about Well, she's definitely very naive and definitely had no real understanding of the repercussions, which I I mean, I really call bullshit on because she is so young that I kind of feel like she would have grown up with enough idea of the internet that the idea that uh, that high schoolers or or not even seventh graders would not nip onto a private detail and be dicks about it seems like Mrs. Cunningham. I mean, if she was like 80 years old, maybe you'd be like, all right, she doesn't really understand how social media and bullying works. But Mrs. Cunningham would have grown up using the Internet as well. It, It just seems silly that You know, she didn't understand the repercussions of what she was doing. Totally agree. What did you think about this idea that Deja turned that whole storyline around and said that Randall is essentially just a story? I thought that sucked. You know, that attitude is kind of you can respect it. But on the other other side, it's like, you know, as I get older, I get I gain more of this perspective that if you have an advantage, you need to take it. It's as long as you're not like stepping on someone's head or something like that. Remember in uh, Mrs. Maisel when when Susie's in the bunkhouse with the girls and the girls like, my dad's a producer and I want to be an actress, but I don't want to use his name. So I'm going to use a different name. And then later on, she's like, use that shit. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yes. Susie's totally right. You yeah. know? Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I think the other thing is that you don't have to be embarrassed that you have different life experiences that people find your journey interesting. That's not something to feel like I'm just a quote story that people are listening to. They're interested because you have had a different path that have had more twists and turns than the average bear. That's what makes you unique. And that's okay, you know, to have some pride in that and not feel, I don't know, like you've been dumbed down to a story. Now, a, a news media outlet could take you and your unique journey and make you this sad cliche drivel of a person, you know? Yeah. But 
so long as they treat it like check out what this person has gone through and it's 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 more inspirational than the average story i don't really feel like there's anything wrong with that now why i feel like that's different than mrs cunningham and deja is because a randall's a grown-ass man and he chose to share the story of his firehouse abandonment with the masses you mm-hmm. know that was part of his campaigning and story background Whereas Deja's story obviously was private and done as it required assignment where you had to share a detail about yourself. So, I mean, that's where to me this gets like crisscrossy, you know, of mm-hmm. like mm, one was OK, one was not Deja. You know, don't don't confuse the situation. Miss Cunningham was fucked up. <laughs> she calls it like she sees it. She did. Now, the one thing that old Miss Cunningham brought up was this idea that Deja is so accelerated that she should go ahead and skip a grade. This is a terrific idea. If she, if Deja has discovered that her middle school classmates are all assholes and they give her a get out of jail free card, I think she should do it. You do? Oh, absolutely. So here's my only hesitation. I feel like that given Deja's tumultuous background, I cannot really believe that socially she would be ready for the change in peer pressure fitting in that would come along with ninth grade. Like her maturity definitely has had kind of swings, you know, where she has to be very mature with like almost playing a motherly role. And then other times, you know, when she has this real like anger issues and impulse control stuff that, you know, really is like requiring a lot more maturity, you know. So I'm kind of a little bit struggling because from the academic background, perhaps she could handle ninth grade work. But I mean, high school is a lot of social game. You know, middle school is not a picnic. No, no, but it's like child's it's play. Kind of, well, it's kind of worse though. I mean, the kids are bigger dicks in middle school, in my yeah. recollection. I, I agree with you. They're bigger dicks. I think that the game is just more like it's like checkers and chess. You know, it's like you just have to be that much more savvy in the high school realm, in my opinion. Still, it's it's, it's a fresh set of kids. It's fresh start. It's she can rewrite her history. She can, and it's no big deal. And in our parallels, obviously, when Rebecca is getting ready for graduation with Randall, we have her say what a genius Randall is. And that's why he has to go to a different school than the other two, which our parallel now is Deja saying, I would have to go to a different school than Annie. And I don't even remember their names because they just don't ever talk about Randall's biological children. So, yeah. So which is kind of like a pretty good parallel, right? Yeah. Randall goes to a school, the other two go to another school. She doesn't want to do that. She doesn't want to stand out. All that kind of stuff. Do you feel like she will? What is your prediction? Do you, Will she skip a grade and go to ninth grade? Are we doing this in order to propel Deja's story further, quicker, so that we can get her into a more interesting place faster? Because you could have much more mature storylines with Deja and really separate her from the two younger girls. Randall had his Jack Pearson talk with Deja the you can only control what you do speech that gave Deja another way to look at her problem. I think those Jack Pearson speeches usually work, you know, with the intent uh, in mind. So yeah, I think she will. I mean, Randall's house uh, starting down a whirlpool. Uh, I agree. Or I would say a tornado is a coming. You know, like, doesn't it feel like the winds, they're picking up? Definitely. Definitely. The after show 
last episode. I can't say last week because who the fuck can remember <laughs> when these episodes aired. But the last after show, Susan Kalichi Watts, she alluded to the idea that their marriage would be put under strain by Randall agreeing that it's time for Beth to pursue her her dream. And uh, little did we know that it would fall apart after one episode. Yeah, not even one episode. Dude, she had one day of work. One day. It was her first day. Her first day. Now, I appreciated that scheduling scene because that is much like our house looks like. I would say there's three billion people. And I got to say, I disagree wholeheartedly with the conclusion that came about that hiring anyone to help drive the kids around or do something was somehow a bullshit move because, hello, that's what the dailies do. (laughs) So I want to put like a giant middle finger. We have three kids going three different directions and three different therapies. And there are some days when we literally have three adult drivers going all different directions and one adult of the house working and one adult at the house being back at the house for when the one gets dropped off. Like, Fuck you for acting like hiring help is somehow being a jerk, you know, or somehow not raising your kids right. Like, well, sorry. There were two elements. There was the being a jerk and there was the expense. So in the long- It is expensive. In the long history of the Randall Pearson house, this is the first time I remember them talking about money. Yeah. And if you guys remember, it's been two weeks now, but we brought up the idea that like, hey, how come finances are never mentioned with all of the Pearsons? Where does anyone get the money? You had to wait for Beth to have a dream. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And then that's when we've got to tighten our right. belts. Oh, this is starting to get expensive. Oh, my God. Good call. That's awesome. That's, uh, yeah, not when Randall wants to buy an apartment building. Not when he wants to run, <laughs> like, an expensive campaign. Yes. Nor just stay home because he decides he doesn't want to work anymore. In his but, lucrative, lucrative job. But when Beth wants to dance a little, a couple nights a week, that's when money is very important. How bad did you want to punch Randall in the face when he's like, so here's the thing. We need to put a pin in your dance stream. That was disappointing. That was a very disappointing exchange for Randall because he had been doing so well with other concerns. But it was, I mean, that I I know that everyone, including Beth, saw that that coming, you know. We did. I mean, we knew that this is obviously going to be some sort of big problem. You know, here's my big like Randall quit his job. Okay. Beth was completely working it, right? Yeah. Randall became Mr. Mom. Mm -hmm. Mr. Mom decides to basically get an unpaid but highly committed extracurricular in becoming a politician. And now it's Beth's problem to get the children where the children need to be. I mean, Paul, you go to work every day. If I decided to go like run for city council and then was like, eh, Paul, I think you really need to start handling that. You'd be like, fuck you. That was like your department and like you totally pissed on it. So I feel like, mm, Randall, how was the idea of the children not addressed? Because when he started the campaign, Beth had a full time job. So how were the children getting anywhere? This job that she has is only a couple nights a week. Yeah. And Randall's campaign ran through the time when she had a full time job and into this time when she's only working a teeny tiny bit. What gives? 
Yeah, his his whole defense there was not fully fleshed out because, yeah, you could point out plenty of opportunities there for her to be where she needs to be for the kids. It's probably the part where she's making like $20 an hour or something to that effect. Yeah, but it just, I don't know. I mean, okay, but come on. I, I mean, just... the solution obviously is to buy the dance studio. <laughs> Exactly. Move into the dance studio so that you're living there with the children. Yes, of course. <laughs> that just makes right. sense. But okay, but here's my other question. Since when is a politician's job that he would have, which was like city council, mm-hmm. a 24-7 gig? Like he's got to be driving back and forth, what, every day now? I don't know. I mean, I, I do think it's a paid position. I just don't think it's a highly paid position. But is it every day? I don't think so. I mean, there's meetings and those Couldn't, meetings are scheduled as you have been a, an official before. Right. You know, it is all. certainly not an everyday and eight to 10 hour a day job. Maybe, maybe emergencies. Sure. You would get emails and up to date and you might have to sit down on conference calls and stuff. But Physically having to be there, Randall, mm, eyebrow, straight up in the air, straight up in the air. You're not president of the United States. You're not on 24-7. Okay. Well, even the president doesn't. <laughs> right. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. Hey, so speaking of a disappointing Pearson man, mm. Kevin, Kevin, was yeah. that an all-too-familiar scene in the hotel room? It was an exact duplicate. It was, down to like his flopped-out face on the couch, man. Yes. If a- only they had a, a little uh, housekeeping lady come in that she could he could have that hilarious interaction with. It's so... I understand that a realistic depiction of addiction is going to include relapses. Two points for realism. I guess. I just... I mean, was the Nikki business that gut-wrenchingly um, intense that he had to fall off so far, so fast that that just hearing the, the, the ice in the shaker at the graduation party was enough to be like, I need to go get a drink and miss the rest of the party, you know? I found that part to be insane. The idea that on graduation day that Toby had put a huge amount of effort into. I mean, creating this like whole ceremony. I loved it when he's like, uh, he invited everybody, the 30th graduates. Rebecca was there with all of the the balloons. They had, you know, the graduation robes and caps. It was like and catered and they had it tables. It was and- beautiful. It looked so lovely. Toby was like running this whole ceremony. He had the robes and the hat. With the dog with the hat. Shut up with little audio. I mean, that was so cute. For... Kevin to just bail? How far down the rabbit hole are we, Kevin? Far. Far. No, I can't figure out Zoe and- I can't figure out how many weeks have gone by because time has no place in this story anymore. So I you know, I have to do I have to ask you about this though, Paul. This is the fourteenth episode and she is twenty-eight weeks pregnant. <laughs> okay, but I have a question for you. Yes. She's 28 weeks pregnant, but also she finished her college degree without us ever seeing a moment of college. Yeah. Twitter had a few questions about that, too. Like She's apparently taken about two weeks of college and managed to, to graduate. So I, I, 
really, I'm like gobsmacked that they didn't have any storyline they thought was remotely viable. Like a single paper to turn about in. About a pregnant woman ha- going back to school as an adult. Like there was no storyline available to pursue. Mm, Come man. on. They had to send her into early labor. That was the main thing. Oh my God. Okay. So let's get into that. Okay. So we have Kate. Kate. Quickly understanding that shit's going down with Kevin, sniffing that right out, right? Uh, uh, it was very like, obvious. Very easy. Like I she, don't know why Zoe couldn't have sniffed that shit out, honestly. It's like as soon as they they hugged, it was like her, her eyebrows were like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was one of my eyebrows lifting up. Yeah, and the other one made that noise. Yeah, that's okay, what, that's what so happens. Kate gets right over to that hotel, knows better than to not bust down through that door, right? Sees the bottles. Decides going to a meeting, which we talked about last week. Like this dude has no sponsor, has no sponsor, isn't attending meetings. So this is all just like a really shallow recovery situation for him. Yeah. But when they're starting to drive and all of this is not really culminating for me, how this is going to play out. Okay. So I'm thinking is there is, are they going to blame the stress of Kevin started preterm labor? But boy, did they surprise me with the whole, we need to get to the hospital. Kate's water broke and she can't drive. But now we have to wait for an ambulance because Kevin's drunk. Yes. So he said he'd been drinking all day. He's also an actor. I guess he qualifies as what they call a functional alcoholic. Someone that uh, drinks all day, but still seems okay. But, you know, obviously they could, he couldn't drive. So that's, that's actually a responsible decision on, on his part. But I still think uh, he should stay out of arm's reach from Tobe. Well, I didn't expect for them, given that we all know that timing matters, like stopping the labor matters quickly, as quickly yeah, as you can. Definitely. That the idea that he was unable to drive. Would have cost minutes. him seem like a guilty party in the labor. Now, is this, given you, our background of premature babies, do, how do you feel about them deciding to lay some guilt at the feet of anyone? I mean, it's an easy, uh, easy thing to point fingers at, uh, given that everything seemed okay. But, I mean, no one can really forget that she's been amongst the highest of high risk pregnancies this whole time and not that only, that didn't change just cuz Kevin uh started drinking again not only that but i would like to add that i feel like anytime you have a premature labor situation the idea of putting a spotlight on anybody and acting like the first thing we need to do is find someone to blame right feels like you're really going to fuck with a lot of people's heads out there. You know, I mean, we had 23-week preemies. I I had been at the doctor just days before, you know, with a with a with a clean bill of health. Um you were and, getting ultrasounds all the time because you were high risk. And you know, and it still happened. And if they tried if anyone tried to point at you like we had been at dinner in the movies that night what if you had been drinking that night like any other person would have at dinner you know had a glass of wine or whatever 
Can you imagine the way that they're twisting this to be like, well, it's Kevin because, you know, he didn't really get her rushed off to the hospital. And so Toby has every right to be outraged and angry at him. This feels like really a dangerous thing to do to fans. Well, I don't I don't think Toby has any right to be angry. I'm just saying I saw Toby's face. No, the show is telling you that Kevin did the wrong thing and that by doing what he did, he put Kate at risk. And what I'm saying is that I think the show is being pretty irresponsible to its audience members by acting as if what you should do when you go into premature labor or if your wife does is look for someone or something to blame in order to... Terrible idea because often you're going to wind up needing to blame the mom. mom and and I think that that's an awful idea and I, you know, there's so much guilt surrounding premature births in general of people feeling like, could I have done something different? Could I have eaten something different? Could I have, you know, not been sitting that way? Anything, anything at all. I just think this is a terrible storyline to make Kevin feel like the bad guy in this and to reinforce it by actually having Toby seem angry at him. Like it's not just Kevin's guilt. We're going to have the dad of the baby turn and be angry at him yeah that's so wrong like and it's okay you can say well that's how these characters are playing it out but the problem is this is us so they're telling us that you know hey this is common and in you know your lives with premature babies you probably have someone you need to be blaming and it's like don't do that to families please don't do that to families you wrote toby could kill kevin i agree yeah. He could. And again, just that is a bad idea. You know, it's a bad idea. It's kind of like, you know, it makes me think back to when you were saying that our friend contacted us to say about Zoe's backstory. Right. And about trying to explain how people would really feel in that situation. And that's what I feel like I'm doing here. And I'm trying to say, hey, you guys. (laughs) They found the one that we know about. (laughs) In a real prematurity situation, the last thing you want to do is spend even a microsecond trying to place blame because it is what it is. You know, and once you're there, you need to focus everything on the baby. And this is going to be a bullshit situation if now Kevin is like ostracized for causing a premature birth, they're going to act like. Well, and when she was high risk the whole time. If Kate makes it through this whole thing, she will blame herself, you know, and so you have to have built up kind of this group team mentality that shit just happens and no one's blaming anything. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in high risk pregnancies. Like that's why they're called high risk. You know, Mm. I mean, if if you do a risky thing and there's an accident, you don't be like you asshole. (laughs) It was like, no, see the activity in itself was high risk. The chances of you getting out of it without an accident was probably not going to happen. So that's why it's it's not her fault it's not anybody's fault you know it's like crazy so all right kevin what a scene i feel like this is really bad i'm so glad that at the end there they did have him sitting on the bed but i still felt like kate was not soothed by him at all and that's why we had to bring in randall in the hallway to walk on over and hold her hand and we get that interesting i think foreshadowing of like Kevin had been, you know, the twosome 
And we have that flashback at the graduation party with the big three and they're discussing, you know, their future. And we have that moment of like, it's not always, it's not the big two, it's the big three. Well, this was that moment where it seemed like they've been pounding into our heads that Kevin's been this soothing force for Kate this whole time. But really the next part we're going to get into with Kevin taking off with Sophie is that Randall is going to start taking that role. And it was like we saw that transition happen in the hospital. Randall came in and instead took her hand. And it was like, oh, that's the next part of the big three story as teenagers. You know, we're rooting for Kevin, but this could spell kind of bad things for Kevin because... I think so. um, Kate is powerful, man. Unless, I mean, Kate's got her own shit going on. So now all of a sudden needing to help Kevin... um, she, she might just blurt out, Kevin's drunk again. Now, if someone go help him, I can't deal with it. Or she's just going to say nothing because she's got her own shit going on and she can't worry about Kevin right now. You know? So right. that means Kevin is either in trouble with the family or going to start drinking again right away. It's all terrible. I think that it's all going to line up when you have something like a premature baby, um, you know, that the. the anxiety and the helplessness and the sheer fragility of the situation of this tiny, tiny baby, I think drives people crazy with how much they want to fix the problem and you can't. And it's like, you've never seen something so helpless or felt so helpless, you know, in your whole life. And so to have Kevin be dealing with all of this, in addition to, you know, the already like pounding need to drink, I just think this is going to end horribly for Kevin. And sadly, the inability to turn to Zoe makes me extra sad for him that he needed to feel like he needed to hide everything. Yeah, that's kind of a wild card, isn't it? Because we haven't seen exactly how she's going to react to the idea of having been lied to chances are she's not going to react very well um even though he's in a vulnerable place you know she she may not have have it in her to to deal with this you know i hope that the way that they brought in this concept of going to meetings and then they even brought in the story of rebecca finally feeling like she needs to have the support of a grief group and having Miguel drive her to the grief group and be like, I'll wait outside. And, you know, of course we have Kate, you know, driving Kevin um, to the meeting. I hope that this will propel Kevin and have this parallel of Rebecca. Hopefully, I assume they're going to bring back this grief group in some way for her. I can't imagine that they would have had it just be like a one-liner, you know, Kevin goes, to his meetings and somehow we have some flashback of her going to her meetings and how it was helpful. Mm-hmm. I would think that's where we're going with the, this. this. The symmetry of this season so I far. I think so. I think that we're going to get more of how grief counseling can help through a death and guilt and grief. And I hope that, you know, that also gives us an opportunity to show Kevin, you know. Um, Struggling. But, yeah, but and, and finding some finding some strength in going to the to group meetings. Yeah. So I'm hopeful for that. I definitely feel like Beth got, you know, a a huge episode, the previous episode. And in this one, she felt, you know, pretty minimalized, (laughs) you know, the best way I can say it. Going to dance. Woo. That was a long day at dance. (laughs) 
<laughs> basically. But I feel like, you know, Randall's storyline feels like it's it's going to push over to being this Kate support. And we're going to really dive into Kate and Randall's time. I, I assume Rebecca is going to be at grief therapy kind of stuff group, right? We're going to okay. go into this time and we're going to go into when Randall and Kate then are together while Kevin heads out. You know, that seems like this next like very linear timeline for them. And simultaneously, Randall, you know, out in L.A., I guess, with Kate, which, my God, how are they possibly going to run the house with all the girls and Beth now that Randall's even out of the picture over there? It's interesting how they um, they try to match the the time of the year with when the episode airs. Right. Yes, but graduations sort of. are in May. Yeah. Well, we must. I think we're going to stick real hard in this section, though. I think there's a lot that that's so we may happen. play out like day by day. And not so exactly day by, by day. By the time it by the time it ends, it'll be March, and the story will be in March, so it'll match up. Maybe I I just I think that like the idea of um Kate's time in the NICU slash preterm labor's time is you can't go months and months ahead or anything, you know like you're gonna have to slow time down in order to deal with how this birth is going to happen. Like people might've thought this birth was going to happen in May. I think this birth might happen sooner than that. And maybe the baby goes home at the end of this, this season or something. Well, next um, week's preview. Holy shit. Well, God, they're in the, uh, yeah. I mean, she's not obviously not making it long here. Uh, An emergency surgery. I mean, I don't, I, I don't quite know why we'd have to have emergency surgery. Except, I mean, I'm assuming he just means she's having a C-section. Yeah. I, for some reason, I kind of thought that that was already on the, bored for some reason man but that i mean the, the last look where toby's just kind of like a like mouth doesn't know what to yeah do with his face that is not a everybody's fine face you know what i mean i don't know what to think i mean i i've been toby and that is not, my face was better because it was shocked but at least everyone made it, you know. You so. were you were there, weren't you? I mean, this sounds crazy. Okay, so I went into labor, and they flipped me upside down in my head for two weeks, and that sounds crazy, but that's literal. Like the bed was inverted, and gravity and medicine tried to keep the babies in. Then I did give birth, but I assumed you were in the room. I didn't have my glasses on, and I didn't have any contacts in, and I can't see a thing. And yeah. so I was in an OR. Yeah, but I. Don't even I don't even know what was happening. Yeah, if you've never experienced this, this is very interesting. If you've been to a a regular everyday birth, then you have been to the L and D floor on the hospital, and they have the nice rooms and the bed, and it's like wood paneling and all the shit that they need to deliver. Maybe just kind of like folds out of the walls, and it's kind of this cozy experience. If you are <laughs> having an emergency. They have the old style ORs in the back with like the tile on the wall and it's all white and it's very scary because it's like got a skinny little board that she had to lay on. Which is just bizarre. I have no idea why I was on this board. It was just like a, it was like a rail. It was like a workout bench is what you gave birth on. I can't understand that at all. To this day, I do not understand. Remember, I kind of, I feel like I kind of said to you, like I felt like I was like falling off of it. Yeah, well, you uh, had been given quite a bit of Demerol throughout the night. Oh, tons. Um, and so you were pretty loopy um, that morning. I had just changed into my little 
scrubs and they brought me back there. And so, yeah, I was right next to you, held your little hand. The point was you were there when they were born and we were talking about that part. Yep, I was there. It was a six minute span between between uh, births and babies that small, as Caroline will tell you, do not require the same amount of dramatic pushing that a full grown baby does. No, and they were already like, that's the problem. They were already coming out. That was part of the issue here. So that, yeah, it was no big deal. But there was something else to that. That was like why we even got to that, that you were saying I was you were in that place. Did you come out and like announce something like because I no, don't know. I don't have any idea what happened. Uh, when I was getting changed, I called your mom because, you know, the, we had uh, been dealing with the nurse and the nurse finally got the doctor. The doctor was like, oh, OK, now it's time. And so then they, they just wheeled you back and gave me a second to change. And that's when I called your mom. I got your dad. I got your dad on the phone and uh, we just, it was like two sentences. She's, she's going back, she's giving birth and he's like, okay. And then bang, bang, hang up the phone. And then, um, so your parents weren't there yet because where we live is like an hour away from where the hospital was. So, yeah. Uh, so what happened? Did you, you come out and say anything to anybody? No, or what we, happened? we came back to your L and D room, you know, the nice wood paneled room as if we hadn't been in the dramatic room in the back and your parents just came in as soon as they got there. So there was no waiting room or no, no anything. And there was no oral exchange of anything for several minutes after your parents got there. Cause what was there to say? Well, I was trying to think of your, of Toby's face and you going- were out. You were totally out. You didn't see faces. No, Toby on the television set. <laughs> Oh, I was saying like Toby's face, like you said that you had been that face. And I was thinking like, who did you tell or when were you? No, like I was that? I was more like um, uh, in a in one of the seats holding the, my head, you know, with my elbows on my knees uh, waiting for just anything to happen. I like immediately passed out after giving birth. They had pumped me through like so much medication I'm pretty positive they actually purposely knocked me out at that point because I was like really honestly like it's like I opened my eyes. They gave me Elizabeth to like touch her hand or something. They brought her into the to the other room and that was all I could. That was all that they were going to let us do. And then they put her back into like the incubator and then took her back. And but then and I passed back out for like a day. Like, I don't remember anything after that at all. Like they, they had given me, I think assuming that this was going to go really bad and like, you know, the children were not going to survive. They, um, for good or for bad, I don't know how you look at it. I think that they very purposely like incapacitated me, you know, to where like mom wasn't going to cry about any of this. Cause like I wasn't there, you know? Like I was knocked out. Very much, very much knocked out. Yeah. You didn't, when your mom came in, you didn't really recognize that she was there for a while. And it was, it was when everybody was in there that Elizabeth was brought in. Right. And that's when you kind of came around for a second. 
And then several hours later, your aunt brought uh, Luby's Thanksgiving food and we wheeled you down. Yeah. And I was like, uh, absolutely. Like, I was like comatose in the cafeteria. We were the only people in the cafeteria because it was Thanksgiving day. And that's when I gave birth. And like, literally, I was like the comatose. Right. <laughs> like, right. In, like in, like I don't even think I was in a wheelchair. I Keep kind of the think turkey I, in your mouth. Carol. I don't even know. what I was like, that's how much like my families no. were trying to just like push through to be remotely fucking normal um yeah it was insane completely insane the good, good news times. is that our girls turned 16 this year and we had tom the turkey ice cream cake and chocolate pudding and everyone's favorite so it did have a happy ending i am gonna say that i have a really this is gonna be difficult for us i think going into this prematurity storyline we called it early on that it was logical that they were going to go preemie route and logical that they were going to probably bring in some sort of special needs into this whole situation. Unfortunately, we know way too goddamn much about this subject. And if this 28-week baby is born, we know very well that important things like eyeballs and ears aren't exactly done cooking yet at that oh, no. point. Oh, no. Blindness and deafness are right up on there. Um, and Brain cerebral bleeds. palsy for right. sure. And so these are definitely things that, that are that – if they don't treat that properly, I feel we'll like we'll be right there. I we will be right there. Feel <laughs> gypped that they are not telling a real story. The sad news is that since we already know it's a boy, um, in case that uh, any of you guys out there don't know the statistics, black girl babies do the best, black boy babies do second best, white girl babies do third best, and the very saddest, what they call wimpy boy syndrome, that's actually the name, wimpy white boy syndrome, um, is white male babies. And by, by do, do the best, the worst. you mean like just overall survival rate? Survival and, and least amount of complications. Um, white baby boys do the absolute worst. More complications, absolute lower survival rate. Absolute worst, yeah. So he if they are going statistically, should have the worst go of it. So we will see how that plays out. Ironically, we named our first child Lauren after my dad, Lawrence, and we suspect they will name this baby Jack after her dad, Jack. Gotta be. And uh, and it's interesting because I think both of those men are very strapping, strong men. And so to have children who likely will have special needs and be compromised in some way, be their namesakes. I find that for our own lives to be an interesting parallel. So what do you think is going to happen at the end of this season? Where are we going to whip all the way back around to this future? Is that the way this is going to end? Or are we actually going to get some more information over these next couple of episodes to actually fill in the gaps to where we're like all done? I think we'll see more deterioration of Randall and Beth, unfortunately. I think we'll see... I mean, there's a solution there. Maybe if Rebecca wanted to help out, maybe. I don't I know. I was thinking that too, but I cannot figure out in my mind where Rebecca is day to day. Because you know how they have her out in LA with Kate right now? I, yeah. was, I was struggling because when they were doing the calendar, I thought, well, Rebecca could probably be a part of this. But then when they showed her at Kate's, I was like, shoot, I don't have a good sense now. I think she's um, probably still in Philadelphia, right? Where exactly they're at all the time. I, I believe, yes, that she just came out to visit Kate, but I was just, I, I was having a little bit of a hard oh, time. Pittsburgh? 
Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. But I was having a little bit of a hard time being like, is Rebecca close enough to actually be a part of that schedule? Because it would make a lot of sense and actually give a lot of nice crossover, you know, with like grandma helping take care of the kids. That could be a, a nice patch, you know, like in terms of getting things at least going in a way where they don't need to be at each other's throats uh, about this, you know, income and time and all that kind of stuff. It's not just some random that you have watching the kids. It's grandma. Right. And so, right. Someone who's going to actually add to their lives. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And additionally, I think that it gives Rebecca the character like a new breath of fresh air as to like, where does she come into play? You know, because we're all kind of like, okay, her, if we watch an entire episode of her interacting with Miguel, I feel like we'd all be like, nah. <laughs> you're laughing right. like we don't really want that but if it's because she's around that we get more tess and annie and we get more like focus time with with that sort of randall beth family i feel like we'd be really comfortable with that you know although kate with a preemie i feel like oh, why do kate and toby still even live out there <laughs> doesn't feel like why don't y'all come on back over to pittsburgh good question um the kate and toby thing is the biggest question mark depending on what happens next week. Kevin, he's, I mean, if to retread recovery with him is going to feel like not awesome TV. So I wonder how they're going to make that more interesting. And how does Zoe tie into that? Because she wasn't there the first time around. He's been lying to her this time. Is she going to stick around through that? I think she better because, I mean, again, I think Zoe's pregnant. So that's what I think is going to kick off season four. A really big fat Zoe because I think she's going to be <laughs> like close to giving birth like early on. Really know? fat Zoe. I bet she her delivery could be mid-season finale next season. But answering your original question, I think they've got to show us, you know, this we're going to see her. We're, they're going to show yeah. us the end of that, whatever that God, is. though, you really think so? Mm -hmm. You really? So in that case, could this season end with Rebecca's death? I'm not ready for that. That's uh, just that this I, season I, hasn't been strong enough for us to go there. I saw a headline that I did not read the story where Mandy Moore was kind of teasing the end of Rebecca. No. Yes. <gasps> like you won't believe what happens or, you know, some one of those clickbait sort of things. I'm not going to believe it. Well, and I know you believe a lot of shit, but. Oh my uh, God. I am naive like that. <laughs> well, I believe we'll be back next week. I, I could be naive about this. This right. is us could be like, instead, this week in lizards. Right. I'll be like, wait, what? World of penguins. <laughs> Why? Why? Oh my God. Right. Well, we hope you guys visit us next week. And listen to a little daily review over on so many shows.com or over on Facebook. Come hit us up on Twitter at D A L E Y Review. Check out Tweet to Caroline or Paul V Daily. We'll be right here with all your uh, nitpicking of the preemies, do's, and don'ts of the upcoming episodes. So stick around. Enjoy. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software, our website dailyreview.com that's d-a-l-e-y review.com facebook or twitter or wherever you find us please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show thanks for listening pot people thanks for listening to my mom and dad you don't have to go home but you can't stay here just go home folks <laughs>